how many of y'all are glad summertime is back? Did you enjoy your little stint of winter? Okay. Uh, just hang around for a few days. It's all going to change again. But praise the Lord, we're here. And uh, as we come into this time of the year, uh, things get rather busy and hectic. And uh, so between now and the end of the year, um, things are happening just about something every day and something every night. One of the things that I shared with you last Sunday was this. One of the things that we need to understand and realize that in the busyness of all that's going on, that sometimes we need to stop and stamp back and just really think about why it is that this time of the year is celebrated, and the thing about it celebrated around the world, not just here, but, but around the world as well. When you consider the magnitude of Jesus Christ and all that we have through him and in him, one of the things that should stand out quickly in our hearts and our minds is, I mean, if, if, he, if, if, if he's not true, if Jesus Christ is not who he is or claims to be and who is the scripture says that he is, and if, if God is not existent, then we all might as well go home because there's no reason for us to be here, especially when we consider the scripture, we consider all of the things that, are, that is wrapped up in this one that was born in the city of Bethlehem. The title of the message this morning is this, Why Bethlehem? I mean, why, why the city of Bethlehem? What was so significant about the city of Bethlehem? I know we always talk about Mary and Joseph and we talk about the birth and, and all of those things of Jesus Christ. But there are some things that, that I want you to consider this year that may be a little bit different. We talked about last Sunday morning about the Word and Jesus Christ being, being with the Father, being in a relationship with him well before, well before the foundation of the world and, and understanding and realizing the significance of that. And then, then we move to the next part. Why Bethlehem? I mean, why the particular city of Bethlehem when you consider all of the other cities that there are around the world? Why the city of Bethlehem? Why not Jerusalem? Why not Capernaum? Why not why not Nazareth? Why not several of those other towns and those other cities that possibly could have been at the list? What about even Jerusalem? Jerusalem known as it's where the very king of Israel set through all of the Old Testament and through all of those days and, and now going to facilitate the birth of of Jesus Christ. Here's something for you. When people talk about Jesus Christ and whether or not he's who he claims to be, do you realize that there's over 350 prophecies in the Old Testament alone that speak to the birth and the coming of Jesus Christ during his earthly ministry? Over 350 of them. And depending what Depending on who you read behind, it'll be anywhere from 353 to 357 to 365. But nonetheless, it's over 350 prophecies concerning Jesus Christ and his birth and his earthly ministry. And guess what? 
all of them are fulfilled. When you think about that from one individual is going to fill over 350 promises or prophecies contained in the Old Testament, how in the world could that be? And so the question comes down this morning, so why would Bethlehem be the, birth, uh, the birthplace of the Son of God? Take your Bibles and turn with me to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter number 5, we're going to go back to the Old Testament. And I know a lot of people say, well, the reason that it was Bethlehem, because that's what it was prophesied to be. Well, yeah, I'll give that to you. You're exactly correct. Micah prophesied it, and it happened. But why Bethlehem? I mean, why the city of Bethlehem? It's, for most, it was considered to be small. Not any larger than a clan. Matter of fact, the use of the Hebrew here in Micah chapter number 5 and in other places, it speaks of that relationship from being the size kind of close to a clan. And so when we consider Bethlehem, there's a lot of, lot of thought there. Micah chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, notice as the prophet shares, Now muster yourselves in troops, daughter of troops. They have laid siege against us with a rod. They will smite the judge of Israel on the cheek. Verse 2. But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you, from you, Bethlehem, smaller than any other region or place. Smaller than Judah. From you, one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. And his goings forth are from long ago. And notice what else it says. From the days of eternity. Just a further confirmation that Jesus Christ existed from the beginning with God. And so there's this one that is going to come forth from, Beth, uh, from Bethlehem Ephrata to be born. As a matter of fact, he will be the ruler of Israel and in Israel. And it's interesting when you consider the magnitude of that one verse and the significance of that word, uh, one verse when it comes to the city of Bethlehem. Verse 4 there's another interesting phrase, and he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Speaking of this one coming, Jesus Christ, who would be born in the city of Bethlehem. It's interesting that we find the word Ephrata beside of it in verse number 2. So we find a differentiation here. In Micah chapter number 5, now let me say something to you. It's just like God to do this. Because when you go back in the Old Testament, matter of fact, you go all the way back to the book of Joshua, you will find another Bethlehem mentioned. So is it the same? Well, if you hold your place and go to Joshua, okay? Joshua chapter 19.
Joshua chapter 19. And we're actually going to look at page or verse 15, not page 15, verse 15, okay? Joshua chapter 19 and verse 15. So included also, and included where? Included in the territory of Zebulun. And so in this region, and let me say this to you, it's not down in the south, it's up in the north part, okay, of Zebulun. Indeed also were Ketoph and Nahalal and Shimron and Idola and Bethlehem. So you see it mentioned there, 12 cities with their villages or with their cities. And here, here's the other interesting thing about it. That's actually located in the Galilean region, not in the south. But let's go back to Micah chapter 5. And it's just like God to do this, to specify the birthplace of the Son of God. Not just any Bethlehem, not a Bethlehem mentioned by Joshua, but Bethlehem actually mentioned by the prophet specified in the exact region where it would take place, and that would be in Bethlehem in the southern region. So it's a different Bethlehem. But you know, if you don't see anything throughout all of these messages over the next few weeks, here's one of the things I want you to see. It is all part of the very sovereign, redemptive plan of God. It's what it is. It's not about us. Matter of fact, it's all about the promised king. Matter of fact, not only the promise of a king, but the actual promise of where he would be born. The city of Bethlehem. So what's so significant about the city of Bethlehem? Despite its relative insignificance. Because really, quite frankly, there's, there's not a lot of significance to the town of Bethlehem apart from the birth of Christ. But here's something about Bethlehem, though, that I want you to keep in the back of your mind. It's the, birth, it's the birthplace of David. It's the birthplace of David, but it also became the birthplace of the greatest descendant, the Messiah. David promised by God that his throne would extend for all eternity. Because that's who he was. Matter of fact, from the, from the root of Jesse, this branch would rise, Jesus Christ himself. Why not be born in the same place that David himself was, from the town of Bethlehem? The significance there. Let me, let me say something to you. God just didn't out of happenstance choose, Bethle, uh, choose Bethlehem Ephrata to be the place of the birth of Jesus Christ. It's connected. Every bit of it is connected throughout all of Scripture. God, in every of the smallest details, does not miss anything. And so for us to see the significance, let's go to John chapter number 7 in the, uh, in the New Testament. John chapter 7. I will tell you, as I was studying the city of Bethlehem, I... At, some, at one point in time, I just had to kind of back up just a little bit and say, man, this is, just, this is just going on and on and on and on. When you consider the magnitude of the, of the town of Bethlehem and the birth of Jesus Christ, John chapter 7, 
We're actually going to start reading in verse number 40. As Jesus himself, during his earthly ministry, one of the things that you're going to find as we make our way on through here is the division of the people over Jesus Christ and who he claimed to be. John chapter 7, beginning in verse number 40. And so some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, this certainly is the prophet. He spoke like a prophet. The things that Jesus spoke of, he spoke like a prophet. As a matter of fact, there were multiple times where the prophets themselves were even quoted from. So he speaks like a prophet. Verse 41, others were saying, this is the Christ. And still others were saying, surely the Christ, here comes an interesting question. Surely, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? Surely that is, that is not where he will come from. Verse 42, because they also remember something else from the prophets. Verse 42, has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? Wait a minute. Hasn't it already been said? Hasn't it already been stated that the Messiah would come from the very city of David himself? And oh, by the way, Jerusalem is not the city of David. Bethlehem is the city of David. Jerusalem is the city of God. Doesn't it make perfect sense? Doesn't when you read the scripture and understand that it would make so much clarity that he would come from the city of Bethlehem. What a picture for Israel. What a picture for the Jews that this one, the Messiah, this long-awaited Messiah. But no, it's not what they were looking for. It's not what they were looking at. Their desire was for this king to come that was going to come and reestablish the throne of David in the city of Jerusalem at that moment and that time when the Messiah stepped into the stage of life. Surely he would be born in the city of Jerusalem. Surely he would be born in a palace, not in a manger, in a fairly insignificant town like Bethlehem, even though it was the city of David. Matter of fact, this king that we're looking for, this Messiah that we're looking for, that's going to deliver us once again from the bondage that we find ourselves in, surely, it'd be from Bethlehem, wouldn't it? Verse 43, so guess what happens? So a division occurs in the crowd because of him. A division occurs. You know, I hear people say this all the time. Well, you know, this Jesus stuff, okay, you can take it or leave it, okay? Is he, is he really true? Is, 
Is God really true? Is, is, the, is the word really true? Well, let me ask you a simple question. Over 350 prophecies concerning the very birth of Christ and his earthly ministry, all of them fulfilled. And my question to you is, how in the world can you possibly consider that Jesus Christ is not who he claims to be? Matter of fact, there's a division here. Some are reflecting back on what the Scripture says. Others looking at what they have seen. Because where was Jesus operating out of? You know, the fact out of Galilee and out of Bethlehem both is fulfillment of prophecy from seven centuries earlier. Do you, do you see that? Seven centuries earlier it was prophesied. Brother Robert, what are you talking about? Let's go to Matthew chapter number 4. Matthew chapter number 4. And I want you to notice as Jesus begins his earthly ministry here. Out of Galilee, out of Bethlehem, both is a fulfillment of the scripture itself. In this question, beginning in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 4, I want you to notice what it says. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and he settled in Capernaum, which is by the sea. It's over on the Mediterranean side. In the region of Zebulun, and Naphtali. Verse 14. Please don't miss this. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. So we have Isaiah who is going to speak concerning Galilee. We had Micah who wrote concerning his birthplace of Bethlehem. Notice what Isaiah says. Verse 15. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who were sitting in darkness saw a great light. And those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death. Upon them a light dawned. And let me just say something to you this morning. All according to the plan of God. None of this is, none of this is by coincidence. None of this. Let me tell you something. Every bit of it is being laid down exactly the way the Word of God said that it would be laid down. And oh, by the way, guess what? It is laid down exactly that way. Verse 17. So from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But hold on. Wait a minute. I gotta stop you here for just a moment. Just because Bethlehem was the smallest doesn't mean that it was the least. What do you mean? Smallest, true. Insignificant, probably, from most people's thoughts concerning Bethlehem. Insignificant from the thought that anything significant ever really occurred out of. Bethlehem other than the birthplace of David, okay? 
Take your Bibles and just flip two more chapters back. Go to Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. guess what we do? We go back and we pick up another Old Testament prophecy. Matthew chapter 2, verse 5 and verse 6. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And let me tell you, the wise men, as they're speaking to Herod, And I want you to notice what they tell him. Verse 6, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, please see the next phrase, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a what? A ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let me tell you what, speaking of none other than Jesus Christ himself. So do you want to say Bethlehem, Ephrata is insignificant? I beg your pardon. It is not. It is significant. Why? Because the Messiah was born in the city of Bethlehem. You ready for this? Not just that. But it's a fulfillment of the prophecy itself from the Old Testament. Seven centuries earlier, 350 plus prophecies, all fulfilled to the letter of exactly who he is. But let me, but I want you to see something else this morning as we consider this time of the year. How many of you have circles of people around you that all of them are in agreement with you about who Jesus Christ is? At the very start of his earthly life and ministry, two camps were forming. And those two camps still exist today. And so what are they? Well, here's the first camp. It's the camp that is full of praise and welcome. That's who the first camp is. The one that is full of praise and welcome of the Messiah, of this one, Jesus Christ, who comes to bring life and to bring life more abundantly. Matter of fact, it is the one that is filled with praise and welcome to this one who will make possible for us to spend all of eternity with the very one who created us and loves us to begin with. The one to be praised and welcomed because of his grace and because of his love and because of his mercy. That's the one camp. And now the second camp. Are you ready for the second camp? Here's the second camp. It's one full of hatred and opposition. You say, well, wait a minute. I don't hate him. Well, let me share something with you this morning. If you don't follow him, And don't give your heart and life to him. Then the scripture says you're the enemy of God. I didn't write that. 
but it's what the Word says. And I know that's tough because there's, there's, another, there's another crowd we like to try to place folks in, and here's, here's that other crowd. Well, I don't hate him, but I don't embrace him, so I'll just kind of take this middle ground. I hate to tell you this, but with Jesus Christ, there is no middle ground. You're either for me or what? Or against me. That's what it says. Huh? Isn't that what the Scripture says? You're either for me or you're against me. The choice is ours. So even today, there are a variety of of reactions to Jesus Christ. Take your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter number 9. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, let me tell you what we often do. We often give all of these a hard time during the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ because they had a hard time getting their hands around it. Well, I tell you this, if we were there, we'd probably do the same thing. Let me tell you why. I tell you this, they couldn't go to to their local local, uh, CBD Christian book distributors and get a Bible and get all the commentaries that tell all of this stuff about Jesus Christ. Surely this one, this king, we know what the prophets say, that out of Bethlehem Ephrata, this one would be born, but yet he's coming from Galilee, he's coming down out of a region. And matter of fact, nothing good comes out of Nazareth, nothing good comes down out of the region of Galilee. Why? Because it is the Galilee of the Gentiles. So did they all struggle with it? They did. My dear friend, listen to me. Please, today, people still struggle with it today of who he is. So what does it, what does it require on our part? To have some patience and understanding and love to try to bring them along, to get them to understand and realize just who Jesus Christ really is. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another person. He's not just another king. He is prophet, priest, and king of kings and lord of lords. That's who he is. It sets him apart from all of the others. Well, Luke chapter 9. You know, what's interesting is when you go back and you read the Gospels, we find these different accounts where Jesus would have asked this question. So, who do they say that I am? The question is, so who do they say that I am? Now, I want you to understand, he just finished feeding 5,000 people. They watched it. So he turns to his disciples and he begins to have a conversation with his disciples beginning in verse 18. They finished feeding everybody. They had 12 baskets full left over. There's absolutely no way that any of this could have been done apart from Jesus Christ and who he was. And so it happened that while he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he questioned them saying. So he asked this question about the people. He said, so who do the people say that I am? I mean, that makes, that makes sense to ask that question. So who do these people say that I am? Verse 19, they answered and said. Now I want you to notice how varied the response is. First one is John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And then there's another one following that, but others that one of the prophets of old has risen again. So it goes across this very varied from John the Baptist to Elijah all the way to possibly one of the prophets. 
I will say this to you today. The Jews are looking for the return. Matter of fact, when they have the Passover Seder, when they have the Seder at home, they set an empty place. What do they set an empty place for? For Elijah. Matter of fact, when you go over there and you go into one of the synagogues, when you walk inside the synagogue, there's a large chair that sits up over in the corner. Guess what? Guess who it's reserved for? In hope and anticipation that Elijah is going to return. Where do they get that from? comes right out of Malachi chapter number 4. So is it any question here that they're looking Possibly it's John the Baptist. Possibly it's Elijah. Or maybe it's another prophet that is risen from the grave. But you come down to verse 20. And so he said to them. And guess who's going to answer real quick right off the bat? Bam. You always guess. Peter. So he asked Peter. Or Peter responds and he said to them. So who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Christ of God. He's trying to connect all the dots. Trying to understand surely, fully who he is. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. An interesting conversation here between Paul and King Agrippa. Paul is is going to be giving his defense in front of King Agrippa. He's already spoken with Festus. And so now he's going to speak with King Agrippa. And oh, by the way, that's not Festus of Gunsmoke, okay? Somebody said, thank you. It's not. Okay. Verse 19. So Paul is sharing with them. (coughs) Wanting King Agrippa to understand in his defense. So King Agrippa. and, And I want you to notice as Paul shares his testimony here. I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. What I saw on the road to Damascus, what was revealed to me on the road to Damascus, I have carried out to the letter. Why? Because what happened on the road to Damascus for the apostle Paul transformed his life because he saw the one who was born in the city of Bethlehem. Verse 20. He said, but I kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem. And then throughout all of the region, Damascus to the north, Jerusalem to the south, and all the region in between. That's what Paul is saying. And all of the other regions. As he made his missionary journeys all across Asia. All of the churches that had been established. And now Paul is in Rome. Verse 21. But kept declaring both, or verse 20, both, but kept declaring both to those of Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all of the region of Judah 
and even to the Gentiles. You notice that? Not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles also. That they should repent and turn to God, perform in deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. You know, it's amazing to me. It, it, it always has been. This, this is something I've always struggled with. In, in my time as a Christian and, and being in the ministry for all of these years, one of the things I just struggle with, and it just, it, I, I'm thankful that God is the one who sees the heart and not me. But here's what I struggle with more than anything else. How in the world can a person possibly through the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God, seeing from the Word of God, seeing the truth and the proof and the fact of who He is, prophesied in over 350 prophecies that He was going to be born in the city of David, He was going to have His earthly ministry, all of these things were going to occur, and yet at the same time have an attitude of disgust and hatred to the one who very much in Himself loves you beyond any measure that you could ever understand. How? Well, if I can interject a little bit here, maybe I can. I was one of those. Very critical of anything Christian. Critical of church, critical of the scripture. Until my heart was changed. And then I began to see. The very love, mercy, grace of God the one who didn't deserve it Paul goes on notice what he says in verse 22 so having obtained help from God I stand to this day testifying both to small and great stating nothing but what the prophets notice what he says stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said going to take was going to take place He said, I'm not sharing anything with you that Moses and the prophets have not already said was going to happen. Let me share something with you this morning. I'm not up here this morning sharing anything with you other than what the prophets said was going to happen and what the Word of God says is going to happen. Verse 24. So while Paul was saying this in his defense... Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, (laughs) you know, Paul, you've lost your mind. You've absolutely lost your mind, Paul. Let me ask you a question. Are there folks that say that today? There are. What's wrong with you? You lost your mind. You used to not be this way. Why all of a sudden have you changed? Let me tell you about the one I met that caused that change to take place. It's the very one who was prophesied would come. Matter of fact, there is a day coming that if you don't bow your knee to him here, I will say this to you this morning. You will later. You will later. So Paul says to Festus, 
Matter of fact, I like the end of verse 24. He says, your great learning is driving you mad. <laughs> your great learning. Paul, do you, do you understand who Paul was? He, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That's who he was. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel himself. He had the greatest teacher that there was. So Festus looks at him and said, you know what? All that learning, it's driving you mad. But verse 25, Paul said, I'm not out of my mind. And notice how he refers to Festus. I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus. You ought to underline the next part. But I utter words of sober truth. Of what? Sober truth. My dear friend, I will stand here and tell you this morning. That Jesus Christ is in fact who he claims to be. And the scripture has been fulfilled exactly the way that it said that it would be. So why Bethlehem? Makes sense. Out of the stem of Jesse, the root would come forth. David, born in the very city of Bethlehem himself. The Davidic covenant between God and David that his throne would continue forever. Jesus Christ born in the same city, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. And let me also say this this morning. So why Bethlehem? Reason number two. That scripture would be fulfilled according to God's plan. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And are you ready for this? Please listen to this. It's all according to the redemptive plan of God himself. It's not a change of mind. It's not all of a sudden God realized that things were not good. This is the way it has been from the beginning. And it is taking place just the way God said that it would. So why Bethlehem? It's where God said he'd be born from. Why out of the city of Galilee would he have his earthly ministry out of Capernaum? It's what the scripture said would happen. So all of those All of those prophecies concerning Jesus Christ fulfilled exactly the way the scripture says. So my question to you today would be this. So why? 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 Would you not give your heart and life to?